What do ballet and surgery have in common? How does one go from law school to a life of art and snowboarding? What's it like to finally find your passion in medical school? And what's it like to be an Instagram influencer and see the world for free? Today on Talking Admissions and Med Student Life, I interview Natalie, a third-year medical student here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. Well, welcome to another edition of Talking Admissions and Med Student Life. I've got another great guest today. Hello, Natalie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. So, third year. Mm-hmm. Third year. All right. Um, but however, before we go into third year, let's start at the beginning. Okay. What motivated you to go to medical school? Why did you want to be a doctor? Where did that start? Um, my dad's a surgeon, and I kind of grew up around medicine. I have a lot of uncles that are in medicine, particularly in surgery, and my grandfather was a surgeon. So it's kind of something that was just common in my household. Um, so I knew I had an interest in it when I was younger, but I took a little bit of time after college to kind of make sure that I enjoyed it. I wasn't just going into it because I felt like I was obligated because mm-hmm. of having so many people in my family in medicine. Um, but I really love kind of this mesh of being able to combine academics and art. For me, that's kind of what medicine is, is it's this like perfect combination mm-hmm. of the two. And those are two things that I'm really passionate about. Because I remember correctly, when you apply, <laughs> you, you have a very strong art art background, right? Because I, I remember like photography yep. and, and, and dancing. Yeah, I, I did ballet for oh, my whole life. Okay. So right. draw, paint. Take mm-hmm. pictures, kind of everything. So would you say, like, with your family, with being in the OR, is, it's like kind of like a ballet with your hands? Yep, okay. that's, that's great. Okay. Yeah, no, it's definitely, yeah, I think I like, I mean, one thing that I loved about ballet and one thing that I find similar between ballet and operating is um, it requires a lot of discipline and it kind of fluctuates between being really intense and um, being really relaxed and... You know, it's kind of this performance, and you have to be on your game, and you have to um, be focused on what you're doing, and I really like that mm-hmm. aspect of it. So it sounds like it wasn't just one, it wasn't one moment, it was like a series of moments that helped you decide to become a doctor. Definitely, mm-hmm. yeah. It wasn't just one thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you start, and then like you went through your undergrad, and then did you do your pre-mex, pre-men recs in the undergrad, or did you do that post-bac? Or how? So I did a post-bac. I actually was set up to go to law school. I took the LSAT, applied to law school. Okay, yep. okay. All right. <laughs> um, and decided I really never actually wanted to be a lawyer. I think I just kind of liked the idea of picking something and working towards a goal more than the actual idea of being in law. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided I didn't want to do that, pulled my um, applications and acceptances, moved to Utah. And so you got into law school. Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, was that, was that hard to walk away from that? No. Okay. I, no, there was no passion behind it. So it was mm. just kind of something that sounded good. I think mm-hmm. more than anything, looking back at it. Um, and yeah, I moved to Utah and snowboarded and didn't work. And my parents thought I was crazy and <laughs> went off the deep end, but, um, eventually, kind of decided for myself that medicine is something that I really wanted and it did combine kind of those two passions of what I wanted in a career and then I went and did a post back and applied years after I graduated. 
So what kind of activities did you do to help you prepare for the application process? Well, I mean, what were you engaged in? Because yeah, I remember you did quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I started volunteering in the emergency department. I really mm-hmm. liked that. It um, obviously was a good way to get, like, volunteer hours, but also get exposure um, to the hospital and network with different physicians. And um, while I wouldn't really consider it direct patient care, it was nice to be able to interact with patients kind of on a non-medical basis. Mm -hmm. Um, I also started doing photography in the hospitals for all the newborns. So Mm. kind of another way that I... So you were the one that comes around to the room. (laughs) That was me. You you know what I'm talking about? Yep. What was that that service called? Bella Baby. Bella Baby. Okay. All right. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. How many people said yes and how many people said no? Um, I don't know because we only got the names of people that were consented. Okay. So I don't know kind of how that screening process worked, but not that many people buy them. Really? No. <laughs> okay, because like, you kind of. So, to, for people who don't know what this is, it's like after your baby is born. Yeah. Um, it's. I don't know how you have. I don't know. I'm not sure what the verb is, but like, there's a service or yeah, this it's, opportunity. It's a service, um, basically in hospital mm-hmm. newborn photography. Um, and they bring like a little wooden bassinet and some fancy blankets, and usually moms have some cute outfit that they pop their baby in. Mm-hmm. And, um, we'll take some photos in the hospital, just. Like a lot of like mom and baby photos, mm-hmm. and some of them look really nice. It's um, kind of a captured population because they're not going anywhere. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then we also provided a service um, for like the unfortunate cases of fetal demise, mm. um, where we would just do yeah mm. free, like free photos of baby and mom, kind of in those few little hours that they have together. Sounds really hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's really it's really sad. Wow. But it was nice to be able to provide that memory. Um, so volunteering, uh, working in the, volunteering, working in the ER, volunteering, volunteering, doing some cool photography stuff inside a hospital. What, what else were you doing? Um, what else did I, was I doing? I was doing a lot of school cause I was taking all of my prerequisites, um, at one time mm-hmm. studying for my MCAT of course. Um, I had some like church volunteer hours that I had been doing. Um, I tutored a little bit. What else? coaching gymnastics. I was kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. I feel like I was doing a million different things kind of in a million different directions. So a, well, well, a well-rounded application. That, yeah. That's one way to put it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> all right. So then you start applying mm-hmm. and walk us through like your decision-making process. Why did you apply to our med school? What other schools did you look at? Look at? I mean, how did you kind of, how did you make where to apply? Where? How did you do that? Yeah. Sure. So my application process was a little interesting. I started applying pretty broadly, um, just made an Excel sheet of places that I thought I could live, which didn't really include, or kind of included everywhere at that point. I just wanted to go to medical school. Um, so I had a pretty, I think I applied to 17 programs for my primaries. And then in the middle of that, my husband got a job offer in Seattle. So we ended up relocating right after I submitted my primary application. And he had this pretty great career Mm -hmm. so suddenly the idea of moving to Kansas or Arkansas or somewhere where he couldn't do his work was a bit off the table so I only actually sent in three secondary applications um University of Utah and the two University of Arizona schools because you were from Arizona originally yeah Yeah. because my family was there so yeah remember you're the snowboarder from (laughs) from Arizona yep that Uh, is me (laughs) also did ballet and photography and did ballet (laughs) (laughs) well-rounded applicant all right um and so I basically just sent my prime or my secondary applications to places where I had like a support system. I had friends here from when I lived here and worked here, and then I had family in Arizona, and 
Um, honestly, didn't think I was going to get accepted just because the odds of getting accepted applying to three programs is pretty slim. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had the intention of staying in Seattle and establishing residency there and applying to UW after that, um, but was very, very happy when I got accepted, especially to Utah. I love Utah. Mm-hmm. I mean, our, our med school is at the base of mountains. Mm-hmm. There's snowboarding here. It's photogenic. There's hiking, photography, mm-hmm. climbing, everything you could think of. I do remember you on your interv- on your interview day. I remember you were very. I remember you were very calm and serene. I think <laughs> that that played itself out um, during the interview process. So maybe it was all your dancing background, and you know, I was witnessing <laughs> right before you go on stage, and then like once you're on stage, it's just like lights out. You know what you're doing. Oh, so. that's good to hear. Cause yeah. I, I was probably. A little panicked on the inside, but um, I only got one interview and it was here, so mm-hmm. I didn't really know what to expect and mm-hmm. didn't really get any sort of practice run, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But it was good, and um, after I interviewed here, I mean, everybody I met was awesome, and I remember talking to the, I think they were second years at the time the that we went to lunch with on interview day, and just everybody was so nice and seemed to really love the program and... Um, Obviously, I wanted to come here when I applied, but I remember after leaving interview day, I really wanted to come here, and mm-hmm. I was very happy when I got accepted. Cool. All right, so you start medical school, um, and if, if I understand the story correctly, you had to move away from your husband for a while. Yeah, so we lived in Seattle when I got accepted. We had been there for about a year, um, and so he had a career up there and didn't have a job here, so mm-hmm. I moved here by myself, and we did like the long-distance marriage thing for the first semester of medical school. Okay, right. So school starts, and would it be safe to classify you as a non-traditional, or did you feel that? I think I'm pretty non-traditional. Okay, I had a All psychiatry right. degree, or not psychiatry, sorry, psychology mm-hmm. um, degree, and was pretty involved in, like, political science and things like that as an undergrad student. Um, pretty much avoided science like the plague as much as I could as an undergrad. So how was it as a non-traditional student, you know, doing your post-backs, kind of moving, making the move towards medicine a little bit later in your life? How was it first semester of med school? Like super hard, super easy? I mean, how would you describe that experience? It was interesting. I think in some ways it was harder than I could have imagined. And in some ways it was easier Um, It's nice because most people are in the same boat. I think the hardest part was just kind of the information overload, and I truly didn't know how to study until medical school. I thought I did, but the way I would study for undergrad and even for my prerequisite courses was just entirely different than how I had to study in medical school to be effective. How would you you qualify that? I mean, what was different about studying for med school compared to undergrad courses? Yeah, you just have to be really efficient. I mean, I think... If you count up the number of like credit hours, so to speak, that you take your first semester, it's probably akin to like two semesters of undergrad work. And so you just have to be pretty cognizant of how you're using every hour that you're studying. Um, whereas before, it'd be, I'd be laying in bed, crack open my textbook the night before an exam, try to skim it, and then go in and take a test and be successful. Whereas I found out the hard way on my first test in medical school, that doesn't really work so well. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that that was kind of the biggest challenge for me was just figuring out how do I learn all of this information in so little hours that I have in a day. And yeah, but it was nice. I think what was a little easier was knowing that I had this group of classmates that were all in the same boat and everyone was super supportive and mm-hmm. people would study together and 
kind of share information and study share guide. study guides. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't think I expected that. I thought going into it, it'd be a lot more cutthroat, you know, kind of like you hear in the movies or maybe even here at some other schools. Mm-hmm. And it definitely wasn't the case here. And I think that that made kind of that transition a lot easier than it could have been okay. somewhere else. How many hours do you think you were studying? Like a week? Oh, that's so hard because I feel like, especially coming off of studying for step one, that my memory might be a little skewed. But, I mean, I'd go to school anywhere from four to eight hours a day, depending on the day. And then I would basically just go home and study until I fell asleep. Mm. Um, I made a lot of flashcards. They got better over time. Um, yeah, I mean, and I can't say that that first semester that, you know, if I was studying for eight hours, I'd say probably four of those were actually effective. Um, but I definitely got better at that throughout med school. And by the time I was like mid first year, pretty well into second year, I wasn't really going to class that often. So I'd wake up at like 730, get to the coffee shop by eight and just sit there and watch lectures from the day before and then usually study till like five or six and then call it good for the day. Okay. So... Were you involved in any interest groups or causes or, like, different, like, outside activities during the first couple of years? Yeah, I did something called Anatomy Academy. So we would go over to, I think it was seventh grade class, my first year of medical school, and each week we would teach some sort of lesson to a group of seventh graders about anatomy. Um, we had, like, a day where we taught about heart health or lung health or, you know, like, dental hygiene, things like that. Um, so I did that for my first year. Um, my second year, I tutored a little bit. Uh, I was a president of the surgery interest group. Okay. Also helped run something called Future Doctors, where high school students will come here once a month, and we would put on like a four-hour workshop for students with some sort of like hands-on, usually a suturing, dissection, yeah. suturing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And then we would have some faculty member give a lecture on a topic somewhat relevant to what we did that day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really fun. And then we also have student-run clinics. So I'd go volunteer at, like, the Midville Clinic and try to take a history, do physical, mm-hmm. things like that. Okay. So it sounds like life was pretty busy. It yeah. was, but it was, I mean, it's awesome. It's super fun. You're finally doing something that you love, and um, it all kind of feels relevant to where you want to be in the end as opposed to undergrad, where sometimes you're just going through the motions in hopes of getting where you want to be. Mm-hmm. It felt a lot more relevant. Mm-hmm. And then that that lack of passion for law, was that... Was that passion just that much more intense during med school? And I dare say your love of surgery? Did, was that, was it, that just <laughs> resonate obvious? with you? Well, we're going to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. It, it was so much easier, I think, to do this than it had been to do school in the past just because it's truly something that I love. And I think that is one of the things I wasn't expecting coming into medical school or one of those things that made it a little easier than I was expecting was just that I, like, truly have loved mm-hmm. everything that I've learned and all of my rotations, even if it's something that I knew wasn't going to be applicable applicable to me in the long run or a specialty that I knew I didn't want to go into. It's just really cool to be learning about yeah. the human body. Did you ever feel like you hit the wall? I wanted to maybe take a break or give up? No, or... not that wall. I think that I've hit little walls along the way. There's days where I'm just sick of studying or I'm sick of not seeing my husband or I'm sick of having to turn down invitations to go to weddings or things like that. Um, but I've never felt like it hasn't been worth it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So third year starts. <laughs> You're very pro-surgery. 
very pro surgery. Did like did anything happen during third year that it just solidified your choice, or were you tempted by another field, or you know how 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 has third year unfolded? I guess. Well, yeah. yeah. So it's no no secret that I love surgery. I've loved surgery since before medical school, and I think that third year has definitely solidified that choice for me. Um, there was a time where I had a little bit of interest in emergency medicine, not necessarily that I wanted to go into it, but I just really loved the people, and it was a really fun learning environment those first couple years of medical school um, because there's just such a variety of different things coming in. So I spent a lot of time in the emergency department my first and second year, but kind of always found myself wishing that I could go with the trauma team. Yeah, when we I, have I want trauma more traumas. <laughs> I want more gashes and <laughs> yeah. lacerations to sew up. Is, yeah, that, is so, that what you're secretly saying inside yourself? Yeah, yeah. 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 So it, it was nice to be on the other side of that fence as mm-hmm. a third-year medical student. I rotated on the trauma surgery service and loved it. Um, I'd heard some things from some people about it maybe being not the most fun experience as a med student, so I was a little hesitant to choose it, and I'm super glad I did. Um, it's It's been like probably the, my favorite month of medical school. I found myself really excited to wake up at three o'clock in the morning every day and um, eager to stay late and sad to go home. How early are we talking about and how late are we talking about? Um, I'd probably wake up at like 3.45, 4 o'clock in the morning. Okay. Um, I definitely woke up earlier on, like, OBGYN, mm-hmm. so it wasn't terrible. Um, and then we would have signed out around 6, so we'd be done with that around 6.30, and then I'd stay late and write notes some days, or if I knew that there was a case going and there wasn't another student staying that night, then I would just stay and scrub that case to get more OR time. Okay. Um, so usually I'd be home by 7, but, I mean, I was there until 9.30, 10 sometimes. Okay. And that's a pretty normal day, pretty yeah. typical schedule? Yeah. 2.45, 3-ish to 9 o'clock? Well, I, no, I'd wake up at, like, 3.34-ish. Okay. And then I'd usually be home by 7. But do there was days where I would stay later. But when you come home, do you, have, do you, ha- do, do you feel <laughs> you had, like, the energy or the spirit to... Study or that was definitely have Natalie time. Like, I mean, how would you navigate that? What that was really hard. Um, we're talking six days a week, or we're talking seven days a week. On it this. depends. There's a one. So the first weekend, I didn't realize that I got a day off, so I came in every day, mm-hmm. and my Sunday was my twenty, my first twenty-four hour call shift. So I think I worked like two weeks straight on accident. Um, but I, I mean, I wasn't mad about it. Obviously, it's what I want to do. Um, Sorry, what was the first question? <laughs> how, like, how do you study, or how do you oh. how do you have Natalie time? To yeah, Natalie like time, wellness, <laughs> those type of things. Yeah, there was not really any Natalie time. I feel like I would take a bath at night, and that was my Natalie time. But um, studying was hard. I mean, you come home and you're tired, and then you have to prep for the next day. You have mm-hmm. to read up on any cases that you're going to be doing, or if you're in clinic, you need to know why your patients are going to be there. Look at any pathology and imaging that may have populated and then sometimes if I had like a sick patient or a patient I was a little concerned about I would check them like their chart at night too and make sure that they were doing okay Mm -hmm. um so by the time you'd be done with that and actually be able to study things that you needed to know for your shelf exam like 10 o'clock at night and then you look at you know how many hours you're going to have to sleep and when you needed to wake up and that got pretty difficult um yeah I don't know um some days I was better at studying than others. Mm-hmm. But the nice thing is, especially on trauma surgery, a lot of it's general surgery. So studying your patients was studying for the yeah. shelf in hindsight. Yeah. I remember during my surgery rotation how 
so it's like very physically demanding. Yeah. You're like you stand <laughs> all for day. hours. I remember just getting leg aches. Yep. And then someone tipped me off that you have like those compression stockings oh, yeah. or I don't, I'm not even sure what the official term is. Yeah, like they're compression the, socks. Yeah, the socks that go, so what these, well, they're tight socks that go up past your knee uh-huh. and it helps with circulation and yeah. they really work. Yeah. I, I remember I got some and going, oh yeah, like my leg aches were not nearly as rough. Yeah, and, on the days that I wouldn't wear any sort of compression sock, I'd come home and have like bilateral pitting edema up to my shins just mm-hmm. from standing for mm-hmm. so many hours during the day. Yeah. And yeah, it was just like, and like, so sometimes people ask me like, well, why is it that you have to round, like you have to go in so early? Well, because OR time is very precious yeah. and the OR usually opens six to seven, kind of in that range. Yeah. First starts usually like seven thirty. Yeah. So, but you need to go and see all the patients from overnight from the day before. Yep. So you got to go like, so, you know, as opposed to other disciplines where they can show up a little bit later and yeah. see their patients later in the morning, that yeah. is time that's dedicated to the OR. So yeah. it's almost like there's two kind of. Like activities going on. Yeah. yeah. And the nice thing is, I mean, so you as a medical student pre-round or go see all of your patients before your resident and your attending and before you round as a group. Um, and so sometimes I'd wake up a little earlier if I wanted to kind of chart pre-round on my patients at home without actually going to the hospital. Um, so especially if I knew I was going to need to pick up a new patient the next day, sometimes pre-rounding on a completely new patient that you haven't taken care of can take a while. Mm-hmm. So I would usually do that from my bed before finally getting up and <laughs> driving to the hospital to go see them. Do you, I mean, did you enjoy all types of surgeries or did you feel yourself kind of more gravitating towards general surgery or ENT or neurosurgery? I mean, what, what kind of, what kind of, I guess my question is, what kind of surgeries have you been exposed to, and where do you feel your people are? Which, which discipline are you kind of headed towards? I came into medical school really passionate about cardiothoracic surgery, cardiac surgery in particular. That's still definitely where I feel like I'm headed. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I like sick patient populations. I like complex patients. I know that I want patients that I'm managing kind of perioperatively in the hospital as opposed to just on an outpatient basis. So kind of that trajectory alone, I can cross off a few different specialties. Um, And I really fell in love with like trauma and acute care surgery also. So because of that reason, I'm going to do a general surgery residency and then a fellowship after. Um, General surgery is great, but I don't see myself doing just general surgery as a career. I'll definitely want to specialize, and I really want some sort of, like, ICU patient management Mm -hmm. in my future. Okay. And what attracts you to those types of patients? Is it just, like, the sickest of the sick, or, I mean, what what, what do you think? Do do you, like, like, yeah, like, why why, why ICU? Why trauma? Why? I like the adrenaline. Okay. Um, I definitely like knowing that... You kind of always have to be aware of what's going on with your patients. I like that even in something that might be routine, things could go wrong at any given point. It kind of helps me stay focused. My mind wanders a lot, and so it's nice to have something that anchors it in that present moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just I love the complexity of the patients and having to manage different comorbidities and really think through, you know, if this happens and I need to be prepared to do X, Y, and Z. It just it keeps it interesting. There's mm-hmm. a lot of spontaneity, especially in trauma surgery, knowing that even though you don't have any scheduled cases for the day, something could come in and you could be in the OR an hour later. Mm-hmm. Last question about this before we <laughs> switch top- topics. Um, thoughts about being a woman, going to surgery, 
kind of the culture that may or may not exist within certain surgery departments? What would you say to that? That's a great question. Um, I definitely think I have minimal exposure to it. I mean, I've Mm -hmm. only been a med student for three years now, but I've definitely had my fair share of, um, you know, backhanded, (laughs) passive-aggressive comments about being a female wanting to pursue something like CT surgery or trauma surgery. Um, But I've also found a lot of support There's a lot of really wonderful physicians here that are very passionate about women in medicine, um, both female surgeon or female physicians and male physicians. So I've been really grateful for that and kind of finding those people that are champions, those role models. Yeah, yeah. yeah, There's a lot of those here, which has been really great. Um, That said, I mean, there's still we've come a long way from what I've heard Mm -hmm. about training back in the day, Um, but I definitely think that there's still quite a way to go. I think unfortunately, surgery is kind of the specialty that lags a little bit more than some of the others, especially things like orthopedics or CT surgery, where women are very they're, they're, much they're a minority. They're minority. You yeah. look at the national numbers. Yeah, they're very they're small, much smaller than the yeah. many men are in them. Yeah, so, I think yeah. general surgery, kind of generally speaking, is getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, there's many more female surgeons now than there were, you know, 15, 20 years ago, but. Um, there's still specialties that are a little behind in that. Do you think you get more backhanded comments from individuals outside of medicine or within medicine? That's a good question. I think... Because surely, like, your your family, your friends know about your dreams of becoming a surgeon. Yeah. So, and, I, and I, you know, you haven't really hidden this in, in any way. Right. So I'm just curious if, you know, if this is more of a problem within our ranks or is it is it something that's also kind of out in the public? Yeah. I definitely think it's at least... From the things that I'm thinking of currently within medicine, mm-hmm. um, there's kind of this idea that because I'm a woman, I'm going to want to have children and I'm going to want to be a mother. And not to say that I don't, but also not to say that I do just based solely on my gender. Um, and I think a lot of people make the assumption of, oh, well, how are you going to have a family mm-hmm. if you're going into surgery without knowing whether that's something that's in my personal goals or not? Mm-hmm. So a lot of comments like that. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you respond to that, or you just kind of? I mean, how do you handle that? Do you just, or you just, it just kind of depends on the moment. I if think you kind of confront the person or correct them, or I don't know. It's kind of like it's hard. It I mean, is yeah, hard, yeah. and I think it's just, it's especially difficult being a medical student. I don't really because all these people might you might need them for a letter of recommendation or. I don't think those are the people. Okay, all right, okay, <laughs> they're different people. All right, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's hard. I mean, medicine's a small world, and you never want to say or do something that's going to reflect poorly on you, even if it might be in your best interest. Sometimes those two things don't always coincide. Um, usually I just let it go because I don't really feel like I am at a place on this hierarchical, hi- mm-hmm. I don't know how to say that word, hierarchical, hierarchical, hierarchical yeah. totem pole to really be able to call an attending out on mm-hmm. a comment like that, um, which I think kind of adds to it being frustrating yeah. because... It's very disempowering. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's like, it's like this, it almost sounds like very, it's kind of like a trope. Yeah. It's kind of like a sitcom. Like, like, like you read about this stuff and it's actually happening. Well, and like, sometimes I just can't help but laugh because it's just like, it's crazy that some people still think like that, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, for the most part, I would definitely say that the good, supportive people far outweigh the negative people. So. Good to hear. Yeah. All right. Can we pivot? Let's pivot. I, I want to talk about it. <laughs> Okay, so um, I know some things about you, Natalie. I don't know all things, but I know some things. And I've heard that you have a following. 
<laughs> that sounds very cult-like. I know. Okay. Well, we're not, we're, I'm going to ask you some very specific questions about okay. cults now. No. Okay. <laughs> so I think this ties into your art background and your photography skills. So before I turned on the pod, I was kind of talking, asking you, like, can I ask about this? What's going on with this? And I'm not even sure what adjective or verb to attach to it, but I think <laughs> you have a very large following. So... What would you like to share? Or where did this start? Or how did it start? I yeah. honestly don't even know. I get asked that a lot. Um, I So when I moved to Seattle, um, I did a little bit of my post back up at UW. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the time I just spent traveling around and taking photos and posting them on social media, Instagram in particular. And there's a very large group of, I guess, social influencers or content creators up in the Pacific Northwest that have very large social media followings and are just really talented artists and photographers. And so I kind of became friends with those people through the art community and we would go out and travel and take photos. And eventually that led to a pretty big Instagram following. And um, And what kind of numbers are we talking about? uh, How many followers do you have? I don't know, like maybe 50,000, 60,000. That's a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, yeah, so then eventually companies started, like, asking me if I wanted to go on free trips or um, drive their cars. And I'd get paid to travel and hang out with my friends and take photos and document it. So, backing up, so how does that work? Do they just, like, email you and say, hey, can we chat? Or, uh, yeah, sometimes. Or do they contact you through social media channels? Or Usually. Do they gram you <laughs> at you and then you gram back at them? Like, so, what does uh, this look like? Yeah. <laughs> So usually it's their email. My email address is on my Instagram profile. And a lot of times for like a bigger company, they'll contact you through an agency. Mm-hmm. So an agency will contact you and say they have a client that's interested in working with you and ask to like set up a phone call to discuss details. Something pretty vague like that. Okay. And so then you hop on the phone and talk to people and figure out kind of what they're wanting and the time commitment it's going to involve and then you tell them how much you want to get paid, and then there's a little back and forth between negotiations, or sometimes they're okay with it, which usually means you didn't pitch it high enough. Yeah. Um, Lessons learned. Yeah. yeah. And then you go on a cool trip, or they send you a product or something. And it must be like it must be a great feeling on some level to like have this. It was fun. This I, this entity, brand, company, firm, whatever, reach out to you and say, hey, you know, we we want you to like do this for us. I mean. Did it feel good? (laughs) It was fun, Um, especially at that point in life where I didn't have really much going on. It was kind of this waiting game of seeing if someone wanted to accept me into their medical school. So it passed the time. Um, I met really great people. Yeah, no, it was was really fun. It's definitely slowed down since starting medical school. I've still done a few big jobs, but you just don't have the time. Yeah. Well, does your medical school, I mean, that makes you unique. Like, I would dare say again this is not my area of expertise at any measure but there's not a lot of medical students or residents or even attending physicians who have large followings so i don't know like when the companies contact you now does that kind of built into it like oh you know we 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 kind of see that you're in med school and we have this product and and like or is that is it still is it very separate is it i try to keep them pretty separate um why i don't know i feel like i don't ever want Someone to think that I'm suggesting some like medical advice to a patient or um, some sort of like medical equipment or something because 
I'm paid to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I try to keep the two pretty separate. I mean, I definitely talk about my medical school experiences and like process emotions through social media. So I'm grateful for that. Um, It's kind of become like a journal almost over the last couple years. And um, medical students that are applying will reach out and ask for advice all the time. So like that's really fun. And I enjoy. You can do a little consulting side (laughs) business. I like it. I enjoy talking to people that are passionate about medicine and social media is a way to I think kind of network to people otherwise you wouldn't know mm-hmm. um, or have any sort of contact with. So that's been really cool. And, um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, I like there's certain, like if certain companies reach out, I won't work with them. Or if it's like something that could remotely be perceived as medical, mm-hmm. I won't. Like I, I don't mix those two. What's your dream company? Oh, man. Which one, which is, which is your, which is the one like, ooh, I would love if, this reaches out to me. I really like working with airlines. Those are usually really fun. Okay, so, so there's probably trips involved with that. Yeah, yeah okay. so I don't know. We're talking a little first class? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah okay. if Delta wants to reach out, I'd okay. be okay yeah. with that. <laughs> so where have you traveled? Where have you gone? Um, I recently just got back from Italy. I was in Italy for Christmas, and we did France last year. Went to Indonesia the summer between my first and second year. Um, Canada, Mexico, Aruba all over like this country i did a trip to austin wow this year yeah and would you some of these companies are helping pay for that or fund that yeah yeah to the point where it's close to free oh it's always free it's always free you've been <laughs> yeah. to all these places for free yeah. that's amazing yeah how long have you spent at these places uh it depends uh so i just did a job in austin and it was in the middle of a rotation so i was there for 48 hours okay all right <laughs> because i didn't have much time um a lot of times so, like, I went to Italy for a vacation with my husband over Christmas, and a lot of times um, I'll pay for it up front and usually a company. Like, I worked with a photo company book mm-hmm. or photo book company, um, and so I used the photos from a trip for their product, and then what I ended up making from that job paid for my trip entirely. So some of it's, a, like, retrospective like that, mm-hmm. and some of it is a company that is setting up the trip and they pay for everything. But when you post things... That's still you posting it. It's not like the company posting yeah, it. Yeah, no, it's, it's me it, posting you, you're it. You're retaining control yeah. over what gets shown on your totally. your feeds or channels or whatever right. you want to call it. Yeah, okay. and I won't work for a company that I don't like believe in or support. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to talk about a product if I don't truly like it. Mm-hmm. And so that's usually implied in whatever sort of like contract that's being drafted between myself and a company that if I don't like something that I'm not going to post about it. As you progress in your training, because I'm totally going with the supposition you're going to be a surgeon one day. You're going to be a great surgeon one day. <laughs> Thank you. Where do you see this kind of fitting in? Do you, do you see this as kind of a, a platform, an avenue? You know, if we just pick on cardiovascular, cardiothoracic, like, you know, anti-smoking or, <laughs> yeah. or, or, or pro-wellness. Or, I mean, where do you see this going? Or, or have you even thought about that? Yeah, I've definitely thought about that a lot. And um, I mean, if I never get another you know, Instagram job again. I'm not going to be sad about it. Um, it's not something that I foresee being a career for me, of course. Um, but I do want to be able to use my social media platform as a way to educate people about health or answer non-personal medical questions. Like I'm, sometimes I'll post little things about like, what is a heart attack? And just kind of explain medical you know, pathology or terminology to someone that Mm -hmm. um, might be interested but didn't really know who to ask. Okay. This is amazing. (laughs) I don't know about that, but 
it's fun. Yeah. It I, just seems like you're so busy. You have all this like, between getting up at 2, 3 in the morning, going to the OR, researching, learning about your patients, Instagramming, <laughs> eating, got to throw in some eating, well, sleeping, sometimes. eating and sleeping, sometimes throw, throw that in there. It sounds like life is pretty busy. Life is pretty full. It is busy, but it's fun. I mm-hmm. truly enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, like I just like oh, five, ten years ago. If you could told your your five to ten year ago self that you're doing exactly what you're doing today, would you have believed it? No, definitely not. Medical school is way cooler than I imagined. I knew I'd like it, but I didn't realize how much. Um, and Instagram is just this weird thing that somehow popped into my life that <laughs> I also wasn't ever really planning on pursuing. So it's worked out. I've gotten pretty lucky. Cool. Well, now we'll have you come back on the pod about a year when you're kind of closer to your match and oh, man. residency interviews and all that fun stuff. Cool. But I think people would like to hear, you know, you know where are you heading? Where are you going? I'd like to hear that, too. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, Natalie. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.